Welcome to the podcast from the Temple. I'm Rabbi Peter Berg. And I'm Rabbi Lauren Filson Lapidus. This episode is brought to you by the Temple, Atlanta's oldest and youngest synagogue. Peter, this is going to be an amazing episode because we have one of our favorite rabbis. It is. This is an episode I have been looking forward to for a very long time because today we are interviewing not only a rabbi, not only a colleague of ours at the temple, but a great friend. Um, I have known Rabbi Stephen Rao since we first met uh, in our first year of rabbinical school in, in, in um, Jerusalem in the year 1993. Uh, you want to know what I was doing in 1993? Uh, yes, tell us. I had not had my bat mitzvah yet. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, well, I, this is, I don't know this, but this is the subject of, of our podcast today, Stephen, but uh, we were very different people in 93 than we, than we are today. Yes, we were. In fact, <laughs> I remember that first day when we were sitting in like a, a big auditorium and I looked over and I'm like, who is this guy? And like, <laughs> and then look at this 25 years later, right? Um, Stephen's house was sort of like in the center of, of, of it all. So we used to meet there uh, before we went out at night. Like, like everybody met there, right? Yours was like the, the, the house. Saying that Stephen had the party house? Stephen had the party house. <laughs> it was also the, you know, the local pit stop for everyone uh, before they went out as well for, you know, bathroom needs and stuff. And how fun that now the two of you, um, you, well, I guess the three of us have worked together since 2008. And uh, Stephen, until you shaved your beard, you and Peter were often confused for being one another, which was great because you could sub in for one another at different events. And get credit. <laughs> That's right. I did once get credit for being in an event that, uh, that Stephen was at. That was pretty funny. Amazing. I, well, I put on a little bit too much weight, so that game doesn't work. <laughs> Well, Stephen, we're so glad that you're here. Um, for our listeners, we will say we're talking with Rabbi Stephen Rao, RJE, that stands for Reformed Jewish Educator. Stephen carries the title of Director of Lifelong Learning at the Temple, and he literally wrote the book on inclusion and making sure that all students and all learners have a place in our synagogue school and in any um, Jewish learning institution that they would be seeking out. And so we're really proud of all of the work that happens. And we're in honor of Jewish Abilities Awareness Month. We wanted to um, speak with you, Stephen, and share with our listeners a lot of what happens on Sunday mornings and Tuesday afternoons that many people have no idea is going on. So thank you yeah. for being here. Thank you. And, and by the way, I have, um, I want to also at some point share something really neat that's happened in the community um, that I got to be a part of. Uh, this past uh, fall. Let's do it. Bring it on. Let's start there. Okay. So, so the community um, started thinking about inclusive education as well. And, um, and I think that all three of us have been teachers in the Melton program for adult learning um, for many years now. And the local Melton program decided that they wanted to open it up for all types of learners as well. So this past fall, um, I was lucky enough to teach a class of inclusive adults with all types of challenges, but yet we were able to start study from the Torah and some of the sacred texts. And really to, um, in the midst of a pandemic, um, bring a community to those who are otherwise sheltered in and um, be able to do so with Torah and, and Jewish texts in front of us. It's amazing. It's really amazing. 
And just yesterday, I was I was on with the international Melton um, community um, based out of Hebrew, uh, um, sorry, Hebrew University in Jerusalem. We were actually speaking to their their staff there, and they are about to start um, putting this together, and we'll be writing that curriculum so that the rest of the world will be doing the same thing, following us. One of the things that that I, uh, I most people may not know is is how much of an influence you have, both here at the temple in uh, the greater Atlanta community and in the reform Jewish movement nationally um, um, in this area. You, um, in addition to having uh, higher ed degrees and, and uh, master's degrees, uh, have just have an unbelievable Menschlichkeit uh, view about how our students at the temple should be um, uh, able to do absolutely anything they and their parents want. Tell us about, for, for example, I, I mean, your, 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 your thinking is that everyone should become bar mitzvah who wants to or bar mitzvah. Tell us about a bar mitzvah or bar mitzvah that, that was really meaningful where you really um, were able to create something different and unique for someone who is differently abled. Absolutely. Well, first of all, it, it wouldn't be right without starting Although, you know, before I came to this congregation, I was in Florida and a little of the pieces started to fall together here. But really when I got here in 2002, um, I have to say that Rabbi Sugarman um, had a, a profound impact on me. Um, this has been always um, Rabbi Sugarman's vision of this congregation, that everyone is considered an equal and everyone deserves um, to be celebrated as a, you know, as a child of God, like you would say. And um, together, you know, I think the first, um, one of the first stumbling blocks that we came on upon here um, at the congregation when I first got here was that, um, that not everybody felt welcomed in our religious education program. And so I really want to say thank you to, to Rabbi Sugarman um, for instilling that belief in our congregation um, and um, helping me foster that for where we would go. And, and of course, our, our current clergy and our staff not only embrace this, but, um, but really stand out as role models for our, our, our Jewish world as well um, in, in the way that each one of you continue to expand the reach that we do. And, and actually, I want to share... Um, um, Rabbi Lapidus, as I'm, you know, as I'm, as we're talking, I think about just a couple of years ago, we had a, a really incredible bar mitzvah um, of a child with um, um, with autism um, in an extreme fashion, and um, what Rabbi Lapidus did was she created the, a new way to have that child express himself, and rather than saying that we, we write a Dvar Torah, that we write a Torah message. She knew he had so much to share. And so she did an interview with him and it was just really heartwarming and um, lovely. And this child, I mean, I, I think everybody in the congregation melted, uh, but at the same time, we were all glowing. And to see this child um, in his greatest way, be able to share it to the congregation um, exactly how he felt about becoming bar mitzvah day. So, and this continues with all of our clergy. Well, and you give me a lot of credit, but I think it's a reflection of the system that you've created, which is um, to make each student successful. 
And I think that you've helped guide us to know when we need to push a student because they actually, you know, to, to tell them, oh, you don't have to learn that is actually almost um, not respecting their, their abilities and what they can do. And then there are other times where um, we really have to make sure we're not, we're not setting students up for unreasonable expectations. I, um, you know, I think about so many of the ways that you counsel families into particular B'nai Mitzvah, what are some of the concerns people bring to you? Like think, walk us through, you know, that first initial phone call, what are the, the preconceived notions that families have about what this could be like or, or what could never happen? Absolutely. So, you know, I, I've always, I've been calling this getting into the language of yes, because I think that as a culture, when we have fears about something, that we fear we're not gonna succeed. I'm talking about us, the, the leaders, whether a teacher or, or a rabbi or a cantor, feel like that we can't succeed. We immediately wanna to jump to the idea of, well, let me, let me put some of the things that we're worried about. And I think one of the goals that we've been trying to do is, is start out with the word yes. Um, so many families who start to discover there are needs for their younger children are greeted in this world by the words of no, what you can't do. This is how we look at, um, at how, they, how they're seeing the world treating them. Um, I'd like my child to do this. Well, you can't do this. You could do this instead. And a congregation being the place, especially one that says, you know, a house of prayer for all peoples on its front doors. Um, that's the beginning of yes, we are here for the yes. Um, so early on, we started to try to get the word out there that we are here for you, we're here to embrace you, and we wanna work with you hand in hand and we're gonna design something for each individual who comes into this congregation. Um, and yes, it sometimes does take a little bit of counseling um, with a family to say, you know, you can share as much as you want. We're never gonna hold this against you. And the more you share, um, the more that we can accomplish together. One of the things I've noticed is that our teachers under your direction really, um, um, enjoy this work. It, it makes them feel good uh, about the work that they're doing. And, and I just watch them succeed in every way and our tutors as well uh, for B'nai Mitzvah. Um, uh, uh, they just, they so enjoy uh, helping our students and giving them this, the, the joy and the satisfaction of succeeding. So thank you for that. We are blessed with some of the most incredible um, not only educators, but those who have the, the, the biggest hearts and, and really take this on um, as a love and as a, um, a not, you know, as a way of making sure that um, they grow through the growth of their students. So we are so blessed by um, those who work for us here at the congregation or work with us. So Stephen, you and I, um have had the joys of working with teenagers um, really since I arrived. Uh, you, you gave me the reins to the confirmation class and then um, our Gesher program. And, um, 
And one of the, the programs that you have created that engages our, our teens, so post-B'nai Mitzvah um, all the way up through high school is our Tzadikim program. So uh, share a little bit about what that is like. Absolutely. And I, I, would, um, I wouldn't be um, sharing enough if I didn't use the name of Stacy Levy, who um, worked through our congregation for 18 years in helping us build this program. She's a local speech pathologist um, who also had a great love for making sure everybody felt included. So she was a major part of, of creating this. But in the 1980s, um, around the North American movements, um, a, a, an assistant teacher of high schoolers was, was created and it's called Madrahim. And we might all be familiar with that term now, uh, 40 years later, that Madrahim are those who are in high school or eighth grade who are helping in classrooms, working as assistant teachers. And we looked at that model and we realized that um, in, a, you know, in, the, in their, their role was to help a class as a whole or really to help the teacher out. But yet they sometimes would miss that, that child who was struggling or two children who were struggling um, in the back of the room, sometimes undiagnosed or sometimes just going through something big. And so we looked at this and we said, wait, what if there were this ability to add another team in that room to work as a shadow, to stand closely, to sit next to um, another child, to help get them on their same page, to role model for them as individuals. And for the last 15 years, we have been training a generation of ninth graders who this is what they do. They learn, first of all, um, what needs and disabilities are out there. Um, and then they start learning how to help make accommodations um, in the classroom to make sure that the classroom is a setting that everybody can um, succeed in. And then they also are taught how to individually work with a child um, to help with special um, skills for reading and decoding Hebrew, but also just how to advocate for a child who might be falling behind when the teacher doesn't realize that I'm teaching to one type of learner, but yet there are 10 types of learners in this classroom. And those two students are taught to, um, to share their voice and say it in a very respectful way. Let's think differently in how we can reach every student here. It's been amazing to see the, the Tzadikim, the relationships that are formed there become very, very powerful. And I think continue well after um, those Tzadikim graduate. And um, I can think of a few that then go off to be, um, to pursue careers in education or psychology or, or fields that, that really do relate. It's, it's an amazing program. And I, I think it also helps students um, who choose that role to, find something within themselves that a standard madrachim type role may not offer. And that, that's been something that's amazing to watch. It has a really think, neat story. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think it's on our top 10 list of, of things that we should be proud of at the temple. I mean, when, when I talk at, you know, biennials and national conferences, like people perk up when they hear this program. There's a really neat story about, um, I remember about 15 years ago, I was working as a, you know, tutoring one of our children through bar mitzvah. And at the time, my, you know, my skills were limited as far as working with children who had dyslexia. And, um, but yet the, the 
the group of people I was working with taught me how to work with these children. So there's one in particular. Um, he was a seventh grader, and he barely was able to read by the time read excuse me read English by the time he was in fourth or fifth grade. But yet he started to succeed in our program because our methodologies work very well with a phonological language like Hebrew, and he was the same time as he was learning to read in English, he was learning to read fluently in Hebrew, and he was, you know, soaring. And I worked with him for his bar mitzvah. By the time he got into high school, he actually jumped into this Sadikim program, and he, he took off. I mean, he was working with multiple children who had dyslexia and was able to connect with them in a very um, meaningful and mentor relationship. And when he, when he was a senior in high school, we actually started to pay him to work with other students um, who had dyslexia because he was so good at this. He came back after he graduated from college and he was a teacher in our program for about four or five years and, and students loved him. So this was really a product of, of, of somebody who got so much out of our program and um, was able to share his incredible guests from it. It's a great, it's a great story. And there are so many of them. And, and uh, um, I know you're about the most humble person on the planet, but I hope you are able to take really just, just some pride and joy in, in, in this program you've created. And, and there's a book that goes along with it too. I, you know, I, I, who thought all those years ago when we were hanging out at Jerusalem and Pythagoras that we would get to a work together. Uh, you, you can look, you can look that place up. I don't think it exists anymore, but that, that's where, that was the hangout place in, in Jerusalem in 1993. Uh, the mental images that you have just gifted our readers abound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if we described it, uh, I think our, our, we, the number of people who would, uh, <laughs> it was, I feel like this whole episode is either laughing hysterically at the two of you as rabbinical school classmates, uh -huh. Serious conversation yeah, about the totally. difficult work of being rabbi educators. We're trying to mix it in, you know. Otherwise, <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, but who knew all those years ago that a we would be, be obviously working together, but that you would be able to write this book, and and um, I want you to talk about it a little bit because it uh, why you wrote it. Who who is the audience besides our own congregation? Because I I, I think. Uh, and, and again, it's a book that you and Stacy, who you mentioned, wrote together. I think that so many congregations are, are able to change the way that they, they do business, the way that they include students of different abilities. And uh, that, that's an amazing thing. So tell us a little bit about the process. Yeah. And, 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 and I do thank you know, God every day, Peter, that you know, when we were having fun in Jerusalem, that who knew that we'd be working together? Um, and I'd be learning from you like I do every day. So I do, I do not want to let that moment go. Um, but yeah, the reason we wrote this book was not to make any money. In fact, it's, it's great. We get about a check of for about $23 a year in royalties. It's, it's wonderful. It gives us basically a, a dinner out um, at Wendy's. <laughs> I was going to say at Willie's at best. <laughs> but, um, but our goal in this was not to make a, a penny. Our goal was to make sure that that congregations who were struggling um, in size, um, those without um, a, a full staff like the, like the temple does, that they could 
know where to start with this and also to change their language to make sure that everybody knew that that there's no you know when you're working together at this and you have this vision for it that every single child um, is able to learn and go through a, a typical um, a life cycle um, at a congregation and to be a full-fledged member and, and active congregant. And unfortunately, we, we just keep hearing story after story about how families were turned away by congregations. And like I said before, out of that fear. And this book is all about not only teaching the educators and the rabbis and the cantors and the administrators um, the language, um, but also teaching them how to um, bring these families in, welcome families, and then create a program and a plan together. And additionally, it does training for um, the high school students who become the shadows, the sadikim, and also the teachers who work with them. If, if, uh, if somebody wants to order the book so you can get a, an entree along with your salad, uh, <laughs> can they get it at Amazon or? It is on Amazon. It takes a little bit of work to find it. Um, we'll, it we'll post it in the, uh, in the episode notes. So we'll try to make it easier for everyone. Um, I feel like we should ask for some sort of story from the two of you as classmates, but I feel like some have been alluded to and probably we don't necessarily want to put them all on air. But I guess, um, you know, you both, uh, I, you know, I made the joke about how we are of slightly different generations. I think we're about 10 years apart. Um, when you think about what the rabbinate looks like right now, um, you know, we, we are in unprecedented times. And I think that our educational programs are so much harder hit than, than some of our other, our other experiences. Um, what do you think we, we're learning from this experience? Like when you think about um, when we were all in Israel in our various times, we never imagined a time like this. So, no. so what, what do we think we could take away from it that's positive? And what do you see as the biggest challenge right now? So I'll, I'll jump in and say that, um, you know, one of the things that we're learning during the pandemic um, is that it pushed us 10 years ahead technolo technologically um, in a period of, of three months. Um, and at the same time, with the speed that, that technology is moving, and, and really I'm talking about virtual learning, um, the biggest thing that I think that, it, or the most negative thing that's gonna come out of it is that, um, technology does leave many behind. While it brings so much you know, ability to communicate with others, it also takes into account one type of, of learner, somebody who can not only navigate a computer, but also can navigate the tools on the other side of the computer. So being the student that when you're not in a classroom, there's so much work that goes into getting ourselves organized. And that's something that, you know, is really done with physical touch. And, um, and so, you know, I worry about this, this as the world moves forward with more and more virtual learning that, um, that there is a population of, of children who may get left behind who really need that one-on-one -on -one guidance and mentorship in building during their formative years. Um, and at the same time, we are working on recreating strategies and making sure that all the, the techniques and accommodations that we can make in the classroom, that we can translate as many of those as we can. Um, 
virtually. It's an amazing journey. It's incredible. You know, one of the things the three of us and our entire staff team are working on is sort of this hybrid model. How can we use the best of the technology that we have, but also be in relationship and God willing, we'll be able to do both of those things soon. But, you know, you, you, know, you also um, get the Savlanut, the Patience Award, because you sat with every teacher hour after hour after hour to, to make sure they knew how to use the technology, which... Um, there's a special place in, yeah. in whatever heaven we believe in for yeah, you. That was really, uh, and you did it in, in two weeks, as you said, so it's, it's pretty incredible. And, and I think it's true. I mean, I look at confirmation, which, you know, we've, we've had a few moments where we've been able to come socially distanced in person, but online, you can, it's hard for, for kids who, who have trouble paying attention without the stimulation of being in the same room. Um, it's particularly challenging, and I think we're all getting a little Zoom fatigued. But well, the you, the, we, the, we, the temple is the temple, Stephen, because of you and because of the the work that you and your team do, and it Amen. It, it makes us so proud um, every day of our um, uh, not only our Bremen Education Center but our Weinberg Early Learning Center. Both of these programs um, are in the top of their field. Uh, our, our, uh, the school st that, that Stephen runs, the, the Bremen Education Center is the only accredited uh, Jewish uh, religious supplemental school in the state of Georgia. The Weinberg Early Learning Center is just an incredible menschlichkeit place for early learning. Uh, and, and so thank you for, for all the time and energy uh, that you put into these two um, uh, really significant components of our temple family. It's what makes us the temple. What people cannot see as Peter is saying all these nice things is how Stephen is shaking his head, no, 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 like, no, it's not me, it's everyone else. So I won't add to the discomfort by telling you how great you are, but I think our listeners know how blessed we are to have a master educator yeah. who, who leads our team and teaches us every The team day. you put together, yeah. It's great. Well, Stephen, thank you. We know you hate talking about yourself. So thank you for joining us for a whole episode. It's been great to have you. It is. And, and we know it's not for a long time, but we want to wish you a happy birthday when it comes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a particularly fun episode of the podcast from The Temple. Where we inspire lives. And transform our world.